Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Dreaded Question podcast. I'm your host, Lily Torre, and when I saw an email in my inbox with the subject line, I accidentally started a parallel career, I knew that was someone I needed to have on TDQ, which is how Sarah Kleist became today's guest. The subject line made me laugh, but it really wasn't an accident at all. It was actually incredibly intentional. Sarah took part in the beta version of the Doing It Also workshop, which was a one-off, two-hour workshop. Since then, it has grown and developed into a four-week course, but even in the two-hour version, Sarah left with ideas that led her to a parallel career. But I'll let her tell you more about that. Before we dive into Sarah Kleist's episode, I want to say that I refuse to ignore what is going on in our country right now, and I'm committed to using this platform to support others. And right now, Black voices need our support. So today, I'm honored to share a very important update from Carlita Victoria. You may remember Carlita from season one of TDQ. She's the executive director of Darkness Rising, and I wanted to hold space on today's episode to amplify her voice and her message. So here's Carlita Victoria. Hi everyone, this is Carlita Victoria. I am the executive director of Darkness Rising, a mental health awareness project. We're a nonprofit and we are specifically geared towards mental health in the black community. And I'm very thankful that Lily has asked me to be on today's episode as a way of amplifying black voices and getting us the help that we need specifically in regards to our mental health. Darkness Rising offers free mental health resources for the black community. And we offer that in the form of a free packet that you can receive on our website. And the packet includes everything you could possibly think of, including organizations that are helpful, advocates that you can follow on social media, databases of providers, apps that are specifically geared toward Black people and our mental health, podcasts that are helpful for this, blogs, a specific section for the LGBTQIA community, and a section for veterans as well. This can be a really helpful resource, especially during this time. And in addition to that, every day we post on our Twitter, we post available resources, including any talkbacks that are happening, any forums that are happening, any virtual meetups that are happening, anything that might be of use to you and and helpful for you to let you know that there is and there are safe spaces being created for you. Right now is just, it's hard. It's really hard to be black in America right now. And it's honestly always been hard. This is nothing new. It's just finally being amplified. And we know that it won't be the last time. We also know that. So, you know, being a person with depression, PTSD, and anxiety, this type of thing can be very triggering. And I struggle with that. I struggle with that a lot. And because it's so triggering, I have to take extra special care of my mental health whenever something like this happens. And I encourage you to do the same. I don't always succeed, but I do try. And if that just means reaching out to someone, a friend to talk about, to vent, you know, then then that's what I did that day. And that's the, if that's the only thing I accomplished, then that's what I did that day. Right now, Darkness Rising has been working with some other nonprofits as a way to 
trying to celebrate ourselves. Uh, recently, Darkness Rising had our virtual concert, which was a virtual version of our usual benefit concert that we have every year, which is Darkness Rising Live, where we bring in Black artists from the Broadway community and they sing songs of hope and love. And uh, we also share testimonials about what's happening in our lives in regards to mental health specifically. And we also uh, have a guest speaker. And this year we had Dr. Jamila Codrington, who gave a really important uh, speech about depression and mental health in our community and how we can specifically deal with that and how and, and why it's so important. And I very much encourage you to go online to our YouTube page and view the entire concert. It's separated into videos to make it easier for you to watch. And we had some incredible performances by our singers and also to to watch Dr. Jamila's very important uh, speech. It ha- has helped me so much and I and I know that it will help you. We also recently performed at an event by Norma Martyrs, another Black mental health nonprofit. And that event was to celebrate Black women and girls who were unable to have a physical graduation due to COVID. And so it was it was intended to be their virtual graduation. Unfortunately, white supremacists broke into that event and it was very hurtful. It was very difficult and we did not get to have the entire event that was intended to be a safe space for us to celebrate our blackness and it hurts a lot. It it hurts a lot to know that even the virtual spaces that you try to create for yourself just to be black are not are not safe. And um I just want to continue to give them my support and I hope that you will also reach out to No More Martyrs and let them know how much you care about them and the work that they're doing. Uh, We're going to keep doing this work and we're going to keep fighting for our freedom because in 2020, we're still not free. And I encourage you to continue to do the same. Upcoming, we'll be performing with Kaiser's Room in their virtual program. And this will be their first gala and is going to celebrate five years of serving cognitive and development of disability in the community. And we're super excited to support them, even virtually. We love the work they do, and we are very happy and very gracious to be a part of such an important gala. And we do hope that you will support Kaiser's Room and all the work they do in the community. Thank you for listening, and I I hope that wherever you are, And whatever you're doing, you're taking care of your mental health. This is not easy. Nothing about this is normal. Nothing about this is easy. But it's important to try to love on yourself, even though this is really hard. Darkness Rising is an amazing organization, and it's my honor to support it. I know there's more you probably want to do, and I feel the same. I hope you will consider donating to Darkness Rising or any other organization that supports Black lives and voices. If you use Amazon, you can even set Darkness Rising as your charity on Amazon Smile. But also, I have decided to donate the tuition of the next two people who sign up for the Doing It Also workshop to Darkness Rising. When you sign up, simply put Darkness Rising as the answer to the question, how did you hear about doing it also? Let's provide them with the support they deserve. And now, let's find out what Sarah Kleist is up to.
So, Sarah Kleist, what are you up to? Ooh, wild <laughs> question. Very expected coming from you. <laughs> I am trying to make myself a creative nine to five in this weird pandemic time. <laughs> yes, a creative nine to five. I love it. Tell me more. I was actually just talking to a different friend about this, how it's funny that when we all had survival jobs and were doing the hustle and had our normal lives, we all were like, oh, this would all be so much easier if we were able to just not do any of the work we hate and only do the work we love. And now we are kind of, while we can't meet, we are in a time where we actually can do a lot of the things that we had always said we would. And so I'm just trying to give yeah. myself like a regular people job, but like in a creative <laughs> way. So <laughs> that has been my daily routine. <laughs> I love that. And what it brings up for me is sort of one of my hopes for what our industry looks like on the other side of this. I hope that as an industry, we will collectively start to question why we've set up auditions in such a way that limits our ability to have a consistent income stream in industries outside of the prescribed ones, such as restaurants and babysitting. I mean, obviously, the way that auditions are run is going to change. That's kind of a no-brainer to me. And I hope that they can change in such a way that accommodates a lot more possibilities for you know, even survival jobs, not to mention parallel careers and thrival jobs. That is true. And it's also, it's interesting because the story we do tell ourselves in the industry is that it's hard to work as an actor. So given mm -hmm. that knowledge, why do we make it so that actors are only allowed to be actors and thus their lives are hard? Ooh, that's so true. No one really argues that it can be really difficult to get an acting job. And so why does it also have to be really difficult to have another job that sustains us? Totally. So for you, pre-pandemic, what was your job situation? Were you in a survival job or what were you doing? Yeah. So I've been working in a restaurant for a long time, the same restaurant for six years, actually. Wow. And it's weird because while it's not my ideal work situation, as far as restaurants go, it was pretty decent, which is why I stayed there for so long. Yeah. But obviously with that, serving is really not the best use of my time after a while, I've figured. And yeah, there's just like, I feel like more cons than pros at this point. So it's funny because I feel like a lot of people are saying this, but the pandemic has really given me a chance to like reflect on what I'm going to do next, because it doesn't look like restaurants are going to exist for like a second, at least in New York. And now what? Yeah. And I also think having some time away from it as well sort of shows you what your life, you know, obviously our circumstances are very different than in many ways than they were beforehand, but it still gives you a glimpse into what life might be like if you didn't have to work at a restaurant for, you know, such a large portion of your week. And I feel like it's been a while since I've given this disclaimer. So let me just say, I do not hate the restaurant industry. I do not hate restaurants. If you work at a restaurant and you love it and it is a source of joy for you, then 
absolutely you should be doing it. What I have a problem with is the restaurant industry as a default for actors and this sort of expectation that that's what you have to do because it's the only way to make a living for yourself outside of acting. That's what I take issue with, not with the restaurant industry itself, because, you know, if you love food and you're passionate about it, you know, you can be really great at it and it can be quite lucrative. So not here to hate on the restaurant industry, but I am here to hate on these limiting beliefs. Totally. I think what you're saying about it's interesting to have this time to think, like I think before it's really easy to get, even if you kind of like your survival job in a way, or at least the people you're with, I really enjoyed the people I was with. Yeah. Which people really make all the difference is a huge all lesson I've learned. <laughs> yes. But I think it's easy to get caught up in the weekly schedule that comes out and like the you can make really good money on your brunch shifts like just getting caught up in like oh well if I get this money then I can make this reel and buy this you know self-tape setup and I make this money and I can buy this class like you just get really caught up in like the cycle of all of it and so I guess what this has forced everyone including myself to do is just think like what, how much of that did I actually need? How much of that did I actually like? And how many of my other skills that I actually feel passionate about are going unused? Mm, yes. So yeah, so all of that basically led me to a little mini version of a workshop you ran. Yes. <laughs> where you posted on the John Waldman Studio Forum asking for people to partake in a mini version of your workshop. And I luckily saw it on my (laughs) Facebook feed and was one of those people that commented first. And yeah, so that was like the beginning of my sort of allowing myself to be creative in other ways in regards to my thrival slash parallel careers as opposed to my survival job. (laughs) Yes. And so before you saw that post, where was your headspace? Were you thinking, okay, I just have to wait for this pandemic to be over so I can go back to my restaurant job? Or were you already starting to think like, hey, this isn't sustainable? Or where was your mind at? I was already starting. I mean, so at the end of 2019, I was really starting to feel like I 2020 is the year like I have to figure out something else to do. So I was already yeah. kind of on that path. And then I feel like I made a promise to myself at the end of 2019 to at least be halfway out the door. And I didn't do that because I was comfy. And then the pandemic hit and I was forced out (laughs) and it actually was a huge blessing because now I'm thinking of myself in other ways. Yeah. You know, that brings up for me something you were saying earlier. I don't think you used this word, but this kind of the concept of your survival job being kind of an exchange. In exchange for doing this job I hate, I can take this class that I love or that I'm excited about. And seeing it as almost like a bartering system, and I bring it up because I know that you're not alone in that. I know that that's how I've looked at my time in the past. And a question that I've asked myself when I've had those thoughts is, well, what if I didn't have to exchange my time in that way? What if I didn't have to spend some of my time doing something I hated so that I could spend even less time doing something that I enjoy? What if instead I could spend my time doing something I love so that I could afford to do this other thing that I also love? 
And it's amazing to me how easy it is to allow ourselves to accept the idea that, well, I just have to do something I hate in order to be rewarded with something that I love. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the story, right? I mean, even when I was in Wisconsin and I was, that's where I'm from when I was, you know, telling my dad, like, I'm going to be an actor and I'm going to go to theater school. And like, you know, your parents are always like, okay, but like, just think about it. Like it's artists don't get paid a lot. You're probably gonna have to work in a restaurant. Like even in Wisconsin, they're like, you're gonna have to work in a restaurant. So it's just the story of acting that we tell. Yes. For me, that was one of those things that illuminated to me how big of a problem this is or how big of an imbalance this is, is that when I was working in the restaurant industry, no one ever asked me if I was a director. No one ever asked me if I was a producer. No one asked me if I was a choreographer. Everyone asked me, oh, are you also an actor? Wow. And that really illuminated to me like, wow, why why is it just us? Why are we the ones who have accepted this, this time exchange and no other element of our business really has? Or at least if they have, it hasn't become this widely known stereotype to the extent that people in Wisconsin know it. So yeah, it's very interesting to me. Yeah. So then you said you you saw my cry for help on Facebook <laughs> and you decided to join us for the workshop, which thank you, by the way, for taking part and generously giving some feedback because this beta version of my workshop then became the four-week version of Doing It Also Workshop, which my listeners have now heard all about. And I'm curious to know how your experience in that workshop grew your mindset a little bit to help you start thinking more seriously about what might be a parallel career for you and then what that what's happened since then. Yeah. So I think the benefit of what we did in your workshop was that you do a bunch of exercises with someone else that repeats your own experiences and skills back to you. And I think like oftentimes what happens is we know we have all these skills and experiences. We've taken all these classes, you know, we know the things we're good at, but because we are so deeply entrenched into the jobs we've had before and like the monetary benefit of those jobs, we don't see how else our skills can be used. Yes. Yeah. Which is basically what my partner, Becca Schwartz, shout out to that queen. Yay, Becca. (laughs) Helped me realize because part of it was like we had to share with each other our like soft skills and hard skills and values and who our work is for in general. And I shared all the things that I could possibly dream up because you were very like, just put anything on the page that you can think of, anything counts. And I had to like vocalize out loud to her what was on my page. And she like repeated it back to me and was like, oh, you're like really good at helping small businesses and people with their branding and storytelling. I was like, oh, I guess I am. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what I did at my restaurant also. My title was like, server slash assistant manager, but I ran their social media. I like helped them with their whole branding. And so it's just funny how a a title and our own 
perception of our own experiences can color what we think we can do. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the soft skills really tell us so much. And I know a lot of people, including Jen Waldman, refer to soft skills as real skills. And I think there's there's really something there because the hard skills of a server might include deep domain knowledge of wine and food and being able to carry a heavy tray and being able to carry a very full martini glass and being able to memorize daily specials and things of that nature. And so when you get caught up in the hard skills like that, you think, well, how does that really translate to anything else? It seems so niche. It seems so specific. But when you look at the soft skills of a restaurant server, they apply to so many different industries. I mean, we're talking about empathy, people skills, organization, time management, all of these things that are impossible to measure, but are incredibly valuable far outside of the restaurant industry. But when we focus too much on the hard skills, it's so easy to get, to have your blinders on to how else you might use these skills. Totally. And even in the hard skills, like some of my hard skills that I remember mentioning with Becca, like, you know, website building, I know a little bit of HTML, Mm -hmm. CSS, and just because it's only because of stuff I've picked up trying to build my own website as an actor. But we forget that the stuff we bring to our acting work actually is very creative and business minded and can help other people that are not necessarily minded in the same way. Yes, we have all run a small business, each and every one of us. And so when actors tell me, oh, well, I could never have a parallel career. I don't know how to run a business. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anything about business. It shocks me because I'm like, don't you have a small business? Don't you have an acting career? And, you know, what you were saying about learning about websites through building one for yourself as an actor That reminds me that hard skills can be things that you learned on YouTube. Hard skills don't have to be things that you have some certificate in or a degree in or or anything. It can be something that you've taught yourself that you've developed by doing. Yes, completely. So yeah, that workshop combined with, I was also reading This is Marketing by Seth Godin at the time. Such a great book. Yes. And then I didn't quite know what to do with all the info and new inspiration that I got from your workshop. So I was like, well, I'm just going to take a first step, which would be maybe revamping my resume. And that turned out to be a whole thing because (laughs) I figured out that there's a way to tell your story on a resume that is more than just your past experiences and hard skills. Yes. And then basically I, I finished mine. I was so proud of it. Just aesthetically, it felt like me the wording felt like me, all of my experiences and the order they were in felt like a story was actually being told as opposed to just like, I worked here for this long and I worked here for this long. Right. That I posted it on my close friend's Instagram story and I was like, guys, I found a new passion. And a couple of people reached out and they were like, can you actually help me with mine? And I was like, I would love to, I'm obsessed with this. So I started doing like a few resumes for my close friends. And then I started posting those to my close friends Instagram story. And then more close friends were like, can you do my resumes? And then I was like, wait, maybe I should, I'm like pretty okay at this. Maybe I should be doing this as like 
maybe a cute little business moment. And then, (laughs) and then I made a website for it and I posted it and all of the spots that I had for May got eaten up within 24 hours. Wow. I did not know that part of the story. That's unbelievable. I love this so much because this is such a beautiful example of taking a real skill that someone could say is too specific to acting and to theater and has nothing to do with anything else, which is storytelling, and utilizing that skill in a new form, in a new way, by telling the story of someone's career in a way that they feel proud of. As I'm sure you know, as a listener of TDQ, resumes are a hot topic here. Jen Waldman fueled the fire, and it's been a a huge topic of conversation ever since because so many people do not feel proud of their resumes. In fact, they feel a lot of shame. And to me, that's such a missed opportunity. I mean, your resume is your opportunity to tell someone who you are. And instead, because we're subscribing to the old rules of what a resume should look like, we don't take that opportunity to tell a story. So I love the fact that you are using your gift of storytelling to create resumes that tell a story. That's beautiful. Thank you. It's been actually really fulfilling because similarly to, I think, what I experienced in your workshop of someone else reflecting my experiences back at me, basically I ask people to just send me like a document of like all their past experiences. And I just like, basically I'm like, oh, so put this in this order and it'll tell this story. Or these are the skills that seem to be like popping out here. So I'm going to put this on there. And like then aesthetically, depending on the person, the aesthetics of it and the format of it can take a form. And that tells a story as well. Like whether or not they put a picture on it, that tells a story as well. So all of it is just like, it's really fun. (laughs) I love that. And yes, I love how much you love it and how much you enjoy it and how personalized the experience is. It's not that you've created a template and you're just plugging in people's information. You're taking each set of circumstances and telling a story based on that you're allowing the content to dictate the form which is yes amazing and beautiful (laughs) and very Sondheim supported (laughs) so as of now have you mostly been doing resumes for theater people yeah I would say I mean that's mostly my friend group and audience but Yeah, I feel like I've done a fair mix of both theater resumes and professional resumes, I guess, even though I hate calling them that against theater resumes. Right. Ours are also professional. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But what I find particularly interesting about the theater resumes is that because there's a specific form that we followed in the old world, Mm -hmm. there seems to be a lot of trepidation I guess and taking risks with format yeah which I'm trying to undo that's like my big quarantine goal is to like undo the form that we've made for theater resumes but also I think I've learned I've honestly learned so much about people and how we as people think we are presenting ourselves versus how we actually are yeah Ooh, that's deep 
And so you said you've done a, a fair amount of muggle resumes. You know, how has their response been? Because, you know, your perception of this is so creative and unique. And, you know, I think especially for us, we don't really think of muggles being as creative and accepting of creative ideas. So what's your experience been like with that? Well, I have a caveat on my website that's basically like, this is for someone who is not afraid to like stand outside the box with their resume. So I think that actually does weed some people out. Like I'm sure some people have looked at my website now and been like, I don't know if I want my resume to be (laughs) so fun and personality driven, (laughs) but I find that the, the muggle people that I have worked with are all grateful to at least put some color on their resume, if not some more like values or purpose-driven statements and reflection on there. That's amazing. I, I think what you're touching on too brings up a very important twin to who's it for, which is who's it not for. Totally. And by being so clear about what you're offering, you are eliminating your who's it not for from the get-go, which is brilliant. You know, I believe it's in This Is Marketing that Seth Godin talks about, you know, smallest viable audience. And so you're not trying to reach everyone. You're trying to reach the small subsect of the population with whom your ideas resonate. Totally. I think that's amazing. So what's your ultimate dream for, for this business? Does it have a name? It is like effectively right now just being called resume revamp, but I cute. Oh, thanks. But I would like to expand it by like, I have some website building knowledge and I'm kind of using this time to like learn more just about aesthetics with that. But I would love to be able to like build websites for people that are in brand alignment with their resume. Yes. Which I hate using brand for that, but like, I don't know. (laughs) And similarly, I want to help small businesses with that. Basically just like help people tell the story of what they're offering, I guess, is like an all-encompassing term. Ooh, I love this idea. And something that I feel like is coming up a lot is we're using old world lingo and then saying, you know, I don't like to call it that. <laughs> so like a professional resume versus a theater resume, a brand. I don't like to call it a brand. So this noodle has me thinking, you know, one amazing way that your company could create change is by changing some of this ugly lingo that we don't like. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, revamping some of this lingo too, because no one likes branding themselves. Like you brand cattle. Like totally. that's not cute. So I love the idea of revamping this and what a great time to do so because I do feel like there's a general openness to change right now and to questioning the way things have been. So I feel like that could be a really powerful element of your company. Yes, thank you. So with any parallel career journey, there typically comes some resistance. And I'm curious if you have felt any of that. Ooh, say more. What do you mean? You know, starting any new endeavor requires a certain level of vulnerability, requires a certain level of putting yourself out there, and it can often trigger imposter syndrome or just general resistance to change. In the early days especially, 
when it feels especially vulnerable to put yourself out in the world and say, hey, this is something I'm good at. This is something I do. This is something I offer. I find that's the first major dip. The first Seth Godin dip is people don't want to put themselves out there and claim that they know how to do something well enough that they're worthy of being paid for it. So I'm curious if you felt any of that imposter syndrome, dip, resistance at all in your journey so far. For sure. I know Jen Waldman was talking about this as well, but everyone seems to be talking about this is like, especially in this pandemic, do I deserve to take anyone's money for anything? Because it's hard out here right now. Yeah. Actually, I wonder now that I've said that if it would have been not like a better time um, to do this, but a different experience had we not been in a pandemic. But also I probably wouldn't have come up with this had we not been in a pandemic. So who knows? And I also wonder if people would be as open to, would be in a place where they're reevaluating their career so much. Well, yeah. To me, this is the perfect time. Yeah, totally. I honestly feel the most imposter syndrome around the theater resumes because even though I feel I have the most like specialty knowledge about them. Whereas opposed to like other industries, people looking for jobs in other industries, like I don't know specifically about the industries, but at least I can help them like shape their experiences. And I know I'm good at that part. Like the theater ones, I feel like it's already going to be kind of a task to like undo this story we've told ourselves about what is a theater resume and what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. So I am feeling still a little imposter syndrome with that. And I think, as we all know, it is going to be a different world when this is over. And I want to take part in shaping that, but also being like, hey, follow me over here for resumes is kind of, it is very vulnerable. (laughs) Absolutely. But I love what you just said so much because I do feel like there has been an acceptance that our industry will look different on the other side of this, which is great. I feel like there has been less of people taking charge and saying, what if it looked like this? Less of people offering up a solution in that sense. And the fear that I have felt around that is if we wait until someone else decides what it's going to look like, I think we're going to end up playing by the exact same rules. And that would be such a missed opportunity to create meaningful change. So I am thrilled at the idea of you being the drum leader for for resumes, for you being the one saying, what if we did it like this? What if it looked like this? And I think that's what we all really need right now is, is a leader and is someone taking a stance and someone boldly proclaiming that this could be a way to do it. And what an amazing legacy that would be. Well, thank you. It's very kind. (laughs) It's true. I'm excited. This is amazing. (laughs) And obviously, I love the path that you took to get there because I know how full of purpose and intention it is based on the work that we did in the beta workshop. And, you know, hearing what you said about having someone reflect back to you your values without having the lens of how you see yourself is incredibly valuable. And I think one of the elements of the workshop that I hadn't necessarily considered as strongly. So it's really amazing to hear you say that. Yeah. I really think other people have more insight 
than even you can sometimes. You can think that you know yourself very well. And I think I, I always think I do because I (laughs) feel like I'm very like, I do a lot of internal self work and like journaling and stuff. So I'm always like, I know myself, but (laughs) it's wild how much you can learn when someone else reflects back to you what you think you know. Yes. Sarah, this conversation is obviously very exciting for me. I am just so proud of the way you took the work that we did and ran with it. And, you know, for anyone listening who no one really would know this, the beta workshop that we did together was is what has ended up being the first half of the Doing It Also workshop. So there's a whole second half to this workshop that you didn't even have, and yet you took the initiative to keep going and do the work and get creative and get curious. That's really where I feel like this stemmed from for you is curiosity. And, you know, if we want to play it small, we can say, and you've helped a bunch of people change their resumes in an exciting way. But if we want to play it big, we can say you are creating change for our entire industry about the way that people present themselves when they walk into a room and the way that they feel about their past experiences when they share it with people in decision-making power. And that is huge. Thanks. <laughs> it really is. I'm so impressed. I'm so amazed. I will definitely be linking your website in the show notes. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of reach outs after this. And speaking of reach outs, this is a random little pivot, but I know you've been doing Carly Valancey's reach out party. Yes. Former TDQ guest as well. We love Carly Valancey here. And to wrap up today, I would love to know about one of the reach outs that you've done that you feel like has encouraged you to keep reaching out. Ooh, I feel like, okay. I feel like I've done a lot of reach outs that have either triggered new friendships or I'm on a podcast now because of a reach out. (laughs) That's true. How might I? I didn't even think of that. (laughs) Yes. Or, oh, I know of one. So when I was still doing all my friends' resumes and I wasn't really even thinking about this in like a business sense, I was just like, let me help my friends in this troubling economic time. Right. I reached out to someone who is also a Jen Waldman studio person who in some form of like Q&A or community call or video call or something um, had mentioned that she works uh, for a virtual assistant company, but she works like in the offices. So she's not a virtual assistant. She like works as one of the main people in the company. And she um, was saying like, oh, if anyone's interested in virtual assistant work, let me know. And this was when I was still like, how am I going to pay my bills after unemployment runs out? Right. Yeah. So I reached out to her just as like, do you have any advice for this kind of work just in general? And she sent me back a seven minute long video response and then ended up the ended the video with like, if you want to like get on a Zoom call and we can talk about it further because, you know, I want to get all my artist friends like on this on this track because it's actually a very like beneficial um way to survive and you can still do contracts and stuff like that so I thought that was really nice and I was like wow if someone like cares enough to return a seven minute video call like people really just want to help and 
that's, I think, the thing that keeps me reaching out. Like, you never know, and people just really want to help. Yes, it's so true. Nothing, nothing helps you see the generosity in the world, like reaching out and seeing the incredible responses that you get. And sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't even hear back literally at all. But sometimes you get a seven-minute video response from a really generous human and you feel like, wow, the world is such an amazing place. And part of the reason I even brought this up and part of the reason that I love that you're doing Carly's Reach Out Party is that what a great investment of your time, money, and energy at this phase of this new business venture. Because reaching out is going to be paramount in helping you grow this, especially, you know, if you want to create a change in the way that our industry does resumes, then it's vital that you reach out and start planting that idea in people's brains so that the the change can catch on like wildfire. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story today. As soon as I saw your email subject line, I accidentally started a parallel career. I knew you were going to have a great story to share. (laughs) So thank you so much for sharing today. Thank you so much for generously taking part in the beta test of my workshop and for sharing generous feedback that helped me make it even better and even more helpful. So thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for always providing wonderful insights and inspiring this in the first place. I've mentioned before on this podcast that sometimes it feels like I'm the test subject for the TDQ experiment, and that sometimes that can feel like a lot of pressure. But when I hear stories like Sarah's or I get emails from listeners I'm reminded that I'm not alone in this experiment, that all of you are on the journey with me. And when I get to see you succeed, it brings me more joy than I can possibly explain. To see that after just two hours of deep work on finding her parallel career, Sarah was inspired to continue the work that ultimately led to her discovering something she loves. And not only does she love it, it perfectly utilizes her unique skills And it has the power to create some serious, meaningful change in our industry. I mean, what could be better than that? I definitely encourage you to check out Sarah's website, which I'm linking below in the show notes. The website is gorgeous, and the resumes she features on there are stunning and full of intention. Sarah is graciously offering her resume revamp services as pay what you can through July 31st. She's all booked up for June, so if you're interested in her services for July, sign up soon. I hope that today's episode encourages you that if you want a parallel career, you absolutely can find it. If you want help on the journey, I hope you'll consider joining us for the Doing It Also workshop. If you haven't already heard the bonus episode where I talk a bit more about the workshop, I'm linking it in the show notes below. And if you still have questions, don't hesitate to reach out. And don't forget, I'll be donating the tuition of the next two people who sign up for the Doing It Also workshop to Darkness Rising. Simply put Darkness Rising as the answer to the question, how did you hear about Doing It Also? As always, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you are safe and well, and that you're able to find some peace in these difficult times. I'm Lily Torre, and this has been The Dreaded Question. 